Hello, SRU. Uh, we're back with episode number two of our podcast on all things Slippery Rock. Uh, with me again today, Nick Artman. What's going on, Nick? Hey, not much, man. Just kind of hanging in there and taking it day by day. Spring 2021. We're underway. Um, fingers crossed for everyone, at least at the time that this is going to come out. We're underway with spring 2021. So whew, we made it through fall 2020. That's something. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. And you know what? I feel more prepared this semester. You know, last semester, first time you're trying, I, I did synchronous, right? So first time you're trying to do it and uh, there's a different uh, air about it this semester. It seems like maybe a little experience under our belt, you know? Yeah, we're going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also joined today with by Justin Zackle and Justin, I'm not, I'm, I wanted to say PR again, but I know that's not it. You fact checked it on the last episode. So I'm just glad you introduce yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, my name is Justin Zacko. I'm the communication specialist in the Office of Communication and Public Affairs. But uh, really excited about this episode because I can I can speak as if I'm uh, well, I am the editor of uh, of Rock Magazine, and uh, really excited about uh, having one of the, uh, 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 the the folks who I uh, was able to interview and write a story about for the upcoming uh, issue of Rock Magazine. Yeah, so for all the all you folks listening at home, today our guest is Trevor Norquist, a recent Slippery Rock University grad, uh, December twenty twenty grad, in fact. And we had a conversation with Trevor about his experiences um, visiting all these state parks in Pennsylvania, but we also explored some of the other, you know, more his personal side of this adventure. And Justin captured a lot of that in the article that is in the winter edition of rock magazine. So look for that in your mailboxes if you haven't already seen it. But other than that, I agree, Justin, I was looking forward to this conversation. So, all right, with that, Trevor, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going, taking it day <laughs> by day, like the other said. So, you know, yes. all we can do. I mean, that's probably the best way we could all put it at this point for sure. Um, Hey, so again, recent graduate, Slippery Rock University. Uh, you want to talk about your interdisciplinary program here real quick for everyone listening at home? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I focused on the Middle East and Asia because I have a, a really high interest in different cultures and, and learning more about the world and how it works. And, um, and I think that's important today. I, I think a lot of people don't want to learn about stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've been interested in that since like I was four years old, um, growing up, my family, we hosted nine exchange students. So from an early age, I was interested, um, in just learning about the world. Um, and so yeah, yeah, I mean, that's how I, I wanted to, I wanted to do that. Um, but I want to do more of it too. So I want to, um, I want to tutor ELL students and, and teach English and, and I was do stuff say. like that. Yeah, you didn't take much of a break in your education journey here. So you graduate in December 2020, and you're already in a master's program. Um, so you are in the teaching English to speakers of other languages program. Uh, correct. Yeah. So actually, I started that in August of 2018. Uh, I, I've taken three nice. courses already. That's so awesome. nine credits under my belt. I already hit the ground running. No stopping. <laughs> so that's a lot of foreign exchange students. So how old were you when you started with with those? I was in preschool. I think at three years old. No, four. Yeah. Four. I was four. Yeah. That's quite the experience. And so you graduated from Butler High School. Um, did you always live in Butler? 
Always, yes. Okay. So that's... And what countries were the foreign exchange students from? Uh, mostly Europe. Uh, so Denmark, Germany, Italy, France, two from the Netherlands, Sweden. And then we had one outlier from Panama. Huh. So that that's was an interesting experience. Totally different from what we were used to, sure. but we wanted to try something different. So it was a really... I mean, growing up and having exposure to that, it, it, it's only a benefited me in so many ways so yeah and so you, you talk about you know your experiences ever since you were a kid but you made that transition into your interdisciplinary program i don't want to say late in the game um but relatively speaking in your undergraduate career you made that transition a little later yeah um so i so what with what i want to do with just teaching english as a second language i i thought that getting a teaching certificate in Pennsylvania with the early ed program. I, I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't, it didn't connect with me. Sure. Um, so I wanted to get done and because I'm already 27 and I don't want to stay in school for my undergrad any longer than I need to. I just want to get it done and, and, you know, get to the certification that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I switched just so I could get done. Um, and I think doing that, it's opened up more doors than I could have imagined. So, um, I don't re I don't regret it yet. <laughs> I like, I like how you put the yet part in there. I mean, it has only been a couple of months, so I mean, there is still time. There's plenty of time for regrets No. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I have a positive outlook on everything. So, right. And well, you mentioned the fact that you would be what we would consider a non-traditional student, right? You didn't you didn't graduate high school at age 18 and immediately enroll in Slippery Rock University. You had a, you know, you had a path to get here. That was probably unique compared to a lot of your peers. Yeah. It's, it was a bumpy road. Um, I don't know if we want to go too deep, but, uh, I did BC three did under, or, uh, got my associates and then worked for the postal service for five years. Uh, found that really unrewarding and decided to go to Slippery Rock. <laughs> uh, working full-time with the post office, there was no way I could uh, do school. And sure. and that, un unless it was now, then I could, but uh, with being oh. online, but doing it in person, it just wasn't going to work. So I, I made the courageous decision to, you know, change my whole life, <laughs> uh, mid-20s. Yeah, good for you. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they don't, they might feel that way, but they don't, that's a big risk for sure. Leave a full-time job and do that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, we all need to find our happiness and if you're not happy, don't just sit around and expect it to happen. You have to, you know, push yourself to make it happen. And I, I did that and, you know, I, I don't want to imagine what life would be like if I hadn't done that and, you know, came back to Slippery Rock and finished and kept my studies going. So, yeah, I mean, getting working a job that you hate can be such a huge motivator. It sounds weird, but uh, I had a same story. Like I, I finished undergrad, and I was so done when I finished undergrad. Uh, I, my advisor was like, "Hey, why don't you want to think about grad school?" And I said, "No, there's no way I'm starting grad school." Well, three years later, of a job that just wasn't—they were great people. It was a good job, but it just wasn't my passion. It was draining to go in there. I thought the same thing you did. I was like, "I got to make a change. Like I can't do this for for thirty years." And <laughs> went and got my master's and PhD and now here I am getting to talk to you. So it's, it's really cool how something like that, uh, which sounds pessimistic, but it, uh, uh, it can really make an impact on you to, to push yourself to be better. 
Yeah, no doubt. It, you know, it, I, and then coming back and finishing my undergrad, it's opened so many doors that I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten hadn't if I hadn't come back and finished my undergrad. I mean, I never would have known about the TESOL program or, or anything like that. And that's, that's something I'm passionate about. So, you know, it's really you know, only benefited me. So. Yeah. And so one of those things is, you know, the reason why, one of the reasons why we were talking to you today, all 121 Pennsylvania state parks in 303 days. So for those people that aren't aware that either don't live in Pennsylvania or live in Pennsylvania and still aren't aware, that's a lot of state parks. Pennsylvania is a big state and 303 days. I mean, that's pretty intense. Why'd you do it? Um, because I, I knew I wasn't going to be in Pennsylvania forever and I hadn't explored any of it besides, you know, Pittsburgh basically. And I lived there my whole life. So I was like, I, I gotta see it. Um, so I, you know, made a plan. I, I, I can't pinpoint the exact moment or the exact thought that came into my head. Um, besides talking it over with my best friend on, as to like, my, like this huge plan of mine. But um, yeah, I gave myself a goal to get it done in a year because I knew I was, you know, hoping to be done with school and, and uh, I wanted to get it done before I wasn't going to be in Pennsylvania. So I, I did it all and I got that, that huge map and, you know, just looked at it and took it in and, and there and off I went basically. So when did you first start this? When was the first park that you visited? And the first park was Oil Creek State Park. Um, after class one Thursday afternoon, I believe in October 2019. Um, and then I did five that day. You did five that day. So you just said, I am out of class. Like, I, I'm good. I'm just going to go drive around the state of Pennsylvania for a while. Yeah, that's, um, I get made fun of a lot for my spontaneity. Um, and because I'll just get up and go. Uh, but I mean, that's what makes life interesting. I, sure. I don't want to just sit around and wait for things. So I, I just go and I do it. And, um, and it was that, that first, that first trip. I don't, I mean, a day trip, we could call it, uh, motivated me to even do it more. So, because it was such a good experience and I, you know, driving around these back roads of Pennsylvania that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't done it. Um, it, it was, it was a really interesting first trip. And this yeah. wasn't something that, uh, uh, hey, I'm sitting at home during the pandemic on some type of quarantine or, or I'm, I'm bored. Uh, you started doing this before the pandemic in October of 2019. So you had a lot of other options of things to, to occupy your time. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, correct. Um, so prior to um, the fall semester of 2019, I did AmeriCorps in um Colorado and I hiked every weekend, um, did a couple of the 14ers, which are the 14,000 foot peaks. Um, so that's what really got me into the outdoors. Uh, and I wanted to kind of see Pennsylvania in the same way I saw Colorado, even though I was only there for 10 weeks, I, I realized that I saw more of Colorado than I ever saw of Pennsylvania. Uh, and so I 
I think that that's what kind of led me to um, start that the huge adventure in Pennsylvania. But um, and that now I'm just obsessed with the outdoors. So <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's a pretty late period. I mean, you're you're a very young guy still. Uh, that's still a, but that's a pretty late period to just jump into the outdoors like that. So what were you doing for AmeriCorps? Uh, I was a summer reading associate was the, uh, the technical term at a, a library in Greeley, Colorado. So it was about an hour north of Denver, 40 minutes from the mountains. So flat as, as can be, you yep. can see for miles and miles and miles. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, that was a, a uh, rewarding experience. And it kind of that doing that service, it, it pushes you to even do more for others. And sure. So, I mean, doing that and then doing this huge adventure, I, I kind of just want to promote um, the environment and people being smart about it and the, the educational opportunities that you can get through just visiting even one state park. You can just learn so much. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk about that for a little bit, if you will. So you, you set out on this adventure and, and you set a goal to visit all these parks what were you hoping to accomplish other than to just see Pennsylvania? That was it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, but it sounds like there's more to that story now than there was back in October when you just decided to leave class and be like, see ya. Yeah. I did it for myself and, and for my family on Facebook just to, you know, see other things because I'm known to travel. I've traveled to 26 countries. I've seen a lot and people just love hearing my travel stories. So, um, I did it for me and for people to see that don't have the opportunity to do it. Sure. Um, so now after all of this, I never expected it to get any attention. I, and I, I, I never really wanted it to, but, um, through that I ha I want to kind of educate people on, on what Pennsylvania has to offer and, and just the amount of outdoor recreation that that's there. There's so much that I never knew about and that no one that lives in Pennsylvania probably knows about. So um, just getting out and exploring, you can see so much and learn so much. Yeah, look, I gotta, I mean, I agree. I grew up in, in Western Pennsylvania as well. I went to high school. I graduated from Mars um, before I went to West Virginia. And it was the same way. Like, I had never been to the town that I live in now, and it's 45 minutes from where I grew up. I had passed through it on my way to Erie, but you're right. There's this giant state, and people think like outdoor adventure and going out west, and you know they get the big mountains and the big plains, and you got the big stuff. And I think a lot of people take for granted that not far from here, we got some really good stuff. I mean, my appreciation for Western Pennsylvania for central Pennsylvania has really grown since I, I came back here as a 30 something person who just started to run outside and then exploring it in that aspect. And it, I think it's, it's very undervalued, right? And I would agree. I share your, your passion and your appreciation for the outdoors, probably more so now than I ever did growing up. Um, so I, what was that like then? Like what, how did you, as you started to become more aware of your appreciation for the outdoors, like how did that transition look? Mm, I think just, you know, getting out of my comfort zone, uh, had a lot to do with it, you know, pushing myself to 
try new things and, and explore more that stuff I wasn't used to. Um, and then it's evolved to just me wanting to be outside all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, a lot of people would say that someone who's visited 26 countries has already gotten out and explored a good bit. And so now you're telling me that the most valuable, or not I shouldn't say the most, but one of the most valuable learning experiences you had was going like 300 miles away. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you don't have to get, you don't have to go halfway across the world to learn and have new experiences you can just literally go into your backyard and you can have that same experience um and just grow from it i like i don't know how to i don't know how to put into words um but you just have to push yourself to to see those things that are just right next to you um because i think a lot of people blinders up you mentioned the you know people want to go out west they want to go see the big things but i mean pennsylvania has a grand canyon that no one knows about and it, honestly, when it's covered in green and, and the flowers and all of that, it's, it's, it's breathtaking. Um, I mean, it's not for everyone as is big mountains and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, I, I think a lot of people that live in Pennsylvania do a disservice to themselves because they don't want to see it. They'd rather spend big money to go to a beach, but that's not for me. I mean, it, it's not for everyone, but um, of course. And, and right. I mean, there are some things that just aren't for everyone, but I think one of the things that, you know, in, in reading what you and Justin had discussed in the article was that there's a lot of diversity in this, in this state, you know, there, there's 121 state parks that has to offer something for you, right? Because we're not talking all of these state parks out in the middle of, of Allegheny national forest and, or on the, standing beside Allegheny National Forest in the middle of nowhere. Some of these state parks you visited were like a sign. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, so if you like history, there's the Washington crossing state park and on the, the Delaware it separates New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So if you like history, there's that and you don't have to hike or, or see anything like that. Um, and then if, if you do enjoy vistas and overlooks there's the grand canyon and if you like waterfalls there's ricketts glen so i mean pennsylvania has something for everyone and if you just want to have a picnic there's state parks with just a, a picnic shelter so <laughs> um you know there's oh and then there's a um, point state park in pittsburgh if you like right. a city exactly I mean, <laughs> so um so i mean there's something for everyone um and it's just also close and people don't think about it I think it's like, you know, you it's you, you grow up in your hometown. Nothing cool happens here. And I think it's the same kind of thing with Pennsylvania, right? Because I'm, I'm like you guys. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, same thing. I, I didn't even know there was that many state parks in Pennsylvania, let alone, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But you don't think about that or you think you'd like to have that experience to take that vacation. You know, you, you got to get out of Pennsylvania and it's uh, man. It's I think it's a good. That's a great point of just like take a drive. Go around. Look at what we have here. I mean, yeah, I've definitely been blind to that. I'm, I'm guilty of that as well to just not pay attention to what we have in our own backyard. Mm, yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I love traveling too and I love traveling to foreign countries and I've certainly not visited probably a tenth of the state parks that are in Pennsylvania um, for similar reason. And it, look, we're not saying that everyone should visit all 121 state parks. If you want to, we know the guy to talk to, but 
just get outside and appreciate it, right? Like that's, how do we promote that message? Like now that you've had this experience and let's be honest, I mean, you've had some, um, between AmeriCorps and hosting foreign exchange students and now this self-exploration that you went on. I mean, that's a lot of meaningful experiences for someone who's 27 years old. Um, so how do we promote this without telling someone they got to get in a car and drive around for 300 days? Um, so with, you know, everything that's been going on for so long, we all need a break from our phones. We all need a break from the news, you know, all this depressing stuff that's, that's always happening. Getting outside and disconnecting is the best way to clear your mind. And for me, and I think a lot of other people benefit from that too, but they don't realize it. So I think taking care of ourselves and by getting outside and exploring even just one state park, you know, Moraine is just down the road. So McConnell's Mills is just down the road. You can just go there and there's so many different hidden, there's so many hidden spots um, scattered throughout those parks that people are, you know, they just don't want to know about them. And right. just sitting there and just taking it all in, uh, it, you know, it, it'll, it'll clear your mind and you can just reset. So, yeah, I think that's important too, because look, what you said about nature, I mean, there's a ton of research to back this up. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's no longer a new concept, the benefits of nature. Medically, um, for phys- our physical health, our mental health, just up for a lot of reasons. But I think a lot of people have this perception that you have to be an outdoor person to get the benefits of nature, right? Like you have to strap on some hiking boots, drive an hour outside the city, and walk until your toes are frozen, right? But that's not the case. And a lot of what you experienced in a lot of the places that you went, like, look, even just going to Washington Crossing and getting outside and, yeah, leave your damn phone in the car and read the sign without asking Google what happened here, right? Yeah, there's a lot of value to that. Yeah, I mean, there were some parks where I would just go and sit on a rock. Like, I, I didn't, you know... I mean, they were small enough that there wasn't a lot to see. So I would just sit in a, sit on a rock and just, you know, take in what was happening around me. Um, you know, and that really cleared my mind too. Cause a lot of the trips I did alone. So I was going to ask, did you ever go with somebody? Yeah. My cousin went on a few with me. I would say maybe 30. She went on with me. I would say that's more than a few. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, out of 121 and, perspective right yeah <laughs> yeah um, um but and then i had another friend who uh, who uh road tripped with me on a couple but a majority of them were alone and i you know i grow so much just from thinking and taking in the things around me and a lot of people you know they always think that they need to have someone or or to like you know motivate them and stuff but i think our us you know we're our biggest motivator in that doing that the whole thing, uh, not the whole thing, but a majority of it alone. It, it, uh, is really, really good for my mental health. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting so- because, you know, during the, the pandemic, you know, that people talk about the, the, the mental health ramifications of uh, being isolated, but it uh, sounds like it was a positive experience for you to, to kind of, uh, embrace that, uh, that solitude and, uh, use it as a time for, uh, you know, just for, for self, uh, discovery and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's the most important thing to do, you know, growing as a person and learning more. 
about ourselves because I think we're so focused on other people through social media and stuff like that, that we don't focus on ourselves and we don't try to grow from within and, and stuff. So, you know, spending all that time alone, uh, throughout the state and in nature, it, it, you know, it really motivated me. I deleted some of my social media because of it, because I was like, I don't need it. You know, I have everything outside. Why do I need to look at my phone? So, yeah. And I think Justin, when you're talking about, we were isolated in that we, we were limited in our, our face-to-face contacts or our close face-to-face contacts, but our social media use went through the roof and that's not good. Right? We know that social media or research shows that social media use is negatively correlated with mental health. The more you use social media, the less quality mental health you report. And so while we were isolated, it wasn't the same type of isolation that you know you get when you just listen once again leave the damn phone in the car and just go for like a five minute walk i know to a lot of people that sounds crazy and, and they would like lose their minds or but well, i think i think that you know when you're when your world is confined to a screen that makes you seem that much larger but when you're outside in nature the you becomes a lot smaller when you're standing at the at the at the at the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, or if you're, you know, in, in Ohio Pile, or or if you're standing along the the banks of the of the of Lake Erie at Presque Isle. You know, there, it makes you seem that much smaller. Yeah, Trevor. So if you had to, um, what was the most valuable experience? And it could have been a visit to a park, something that you learned. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Oh, gee. Yeah. The most valuable experience, you know, um, I think just, you know, I I don't want to keep drilling home the, the mental health and, you know, growing and, and stuff like that, but just on some of the trips, it would just be so rewarding. Like when I went up, uh, to the Mansfield, um, Wellsboro area, um, just not expecting to see what I saw. Um, that was, I don't know how to word it. Uh, it was just really, uh, valuable to me. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't, I can't pinpoint one thing that really stuck out because it was all a really good experience. I never had any issues or troubles or anything like that. It was just all super rewarding. Um, so, yeah, I get it. It's tough. It, it, it is it is tough to like say, sure. Yeah, these aren't these aren't the easiest questions. That's for sure. Look, I agree. Um, and I and I again, I I appreciate nature probably as much as you do in, in getting out in it. And I certainly have benefited from it from my own mental health standpoint, um, from my own personal development and things like that. I, there is though there, there's some barriers that people either put up. Um, for themselves, or there are barriers that that prevent people from being able to to access nature in the way that that you do it, in the way that I do it. So, what would you say is like? How do you like nudge someone out the door, right? Hmm. And again, I know your discipline is not behavioral psychology, and so I am putting you on the spot here. But I do know that look. You, the one thing that you've talked about, and like you said, I don't want to keep saying it, but that personal growth and that self-exploration and how important that was, 
And I think it's important to note that this wasn't that like, you didn't grow up at four years old hiking. You didn't grow up at 18 years old going on adventures to random places in Pennsylvania. Um, so what was the what was the switch? Like what if you basically if you could give someone some advice, right? So if you bring you back on campus, well, you're talking to a 60,000 alumni and however many students are going to tune into this. So for someone that's sitting there going, I don't even know where to start. Where do you start? Um, I would just just ask yourself the question: Are are you happy with your what you're doing. Um, it goes back to what I said about my unhappiness in my past career. Uh, I wasn't happy. So I pushed myself to try something new. Um, so I would just say, you know, ask yourself that question. Like, do you want to have a new experience? Like why, why do you always need to be doing the same thing over and over and over again? Um, life is short. You got to push yourself. So just, you know, ask yourself the question, are you content with what you're doing? Do you want to, you know, experience something new, interesting and uh, fulfilling? Just, you know, just step foot outside. Honestly, it's not, it's on a, it's not that hard just to try it once. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. So. Yeah. So at any point in this, were you like, I'm not going to make it to all 121? Um, definitely. <laughs> that first trip out east uh that five and a half hour trek it's a long way across the state i don't care if you go on 80 or the turnpike dude it's rough they're both terrible yeah yeah like the turnpike is so expensive so i was like this is gonna be just unmanageable (laughs) but so a couple times when i was going out east i was like this is just so far i don't want to have to keep doing this um so i but whenever i would get to these parks and i would experience them and then i could cross them off my list it was just another motivator to try to get it done um i'm a huge list guy so i love seeing a list and i love checking things off and making progress and trying to reach my goals so that kept me going just seeing that number get lower and lower um, but yeah, there was every trip out East. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I got to drive five and a half hours. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You, yeah, that's, I feel your pain. Yeah. So getting to that list though, there's gotta be a couple parks that are at the top of the list of your favorites. What are some of your, your favorite parks that, uh, for people who are listening and want to get out and experience Pennsylvania more, where, where, where should you send them on, on the top of your list? Um, so if you want a short drive, I would just say Moraine. I, that, that place holds a special place in my heart. Uh, just watching the sunsets on uh, Bear Run Boat Launch is something I, I did pretty much all last summer. So, um, And if you want a little bit further of a drive, I would say um, in Greene County, there's a park called Ryerson Station. Uh, it's harder to get to, uh, a lot of windy, hilly roads, but um, yeah, I've been there. Really, I, I went to college at Waynesburg, so I uh, familiar oh, with you Green County. It. So uh, Ryerson yeah. Station and uh, Duke Lake, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it, it was a uh, no one is there. The when I when I went there the first time, the park ranger told me that that was the least visited state park in the whole state, and I was really surprised. Um, but I found it just you know really quiet, and you could hear 
the birds. I visited in the fall. So if you want to see some really nice fall colors, uh, go to Green County in mid-October. <laughs> um, Ohio Powell is another one that's really good down there. Um, whitewater rafting, that's where I did that for the first time. Uh, they have a lot of cold tours and, and stuff. If you're not that brave, uh, they, they walk you through it. And it's I, that was my biggest fear is whitewater rafting, and I did it, and now I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't um, pay me enough to go whitewater rafting. My wife keeps getting me to try, and I'm like, no, take somebody else. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, that especially at Ohio, at Ohio Powell because um, I grew up in Fayette County, and they actually have a helicopter landing pad near one of the rapids because they have to life flight people out of there so often they get stuck, and they and there's all these signs advising people to portage and 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 and, and walk around because the, the the people get trapped in the rapids there. It's it's intense. Yeah, count me but, out. Yeah. Well, that was my attitude too. It was like, I'm never going to do it, but I did it and I loved it. So yeah, it was just, you gotta, you gotta try it at least once. Um, uh, if you want to, the favorite, my favorite park out East, I would say, um, Northeastern PA would be salt spring state park. Uh, really quaint, uh, big waterfalls, huge meadows. And, uh, it's about 30 minutes South of Binghamton, New York. So it's okay. pretty far up there. Yeah. Um, southeastern PA, I don't have a favorite. Uh, it's because it's southeastern PA. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they were they were good and like I I don't want to compare different regions because they're all so different. So, um, but they all to me not none not one of them stood out because they were all basically the same to me. I'm sure other people would have a different experience, sure. but when I went, I didn't find anything super, super special. Um, and then North central PA, there's all the elk. So go during elk season so you can see the elk because it's uh, it's an experience. <laughs> it's crazy, right? I mean, you're still in Pennsylvania and you're looking around going, am I still in Pennsylvania? Like that's a big animal just standing there staring at me. Some people don't even realize we have elk in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely they're coming back in much greater numbers. Um, Division of Natural Resources has done a great job with that with that species management and reintroducing it to Pennsylvania and managing it in a responsible way so that we do have hunting. Um, so there's elk hunting in Pennsylvania. It's hard to get a tag, but in making it hard to get a tag, a lot of people apply for it which means a lot of people then contribute to wildlife management in every aspect of the state. Um, and so I think that's, that was a big, that was a big draw for Pennsylvania there for a while and it's certainly coming back. So that's a good thing to see. Yeah. It's a very interesting when you're driving on, um, I think it's route 120 uh, up in North central PA and then you get stopped because there's a herd of elk crossing the road <laughs> and then all these out of towners will, will stop and pull off on the side of the road. Then you can't pass them because they're out taking a picture of the elk that are crossing the road. Um, it's an experience that, but I mean, if you drive up there, you might not see, you know, it's just really hit and miss. So you gotta, you gotta plan wisely. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, we did it with, with my kids and, the first day we went out and there was no elk and they're like, well, this is stupid. Like I just drove around for an hour on these back roads and 
great, thanks. Can we go back now? And then the next day we went out and it was the elk I could have stuck my arm out the window and been like tapped it on the top of the head. I didn't. I did not do that. Uh, but you could have. And then, of course, they were like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, that's right. Um, so I don't know uh, if it's true or not. Maybe someone who lives in that area can, you know, know if it's correct. But I heard that people that live there really despise the elk because they'll just walk on their back porch and eat everything in their yard and every their yards are destroyed because of the elk. I don't know if that's true. That's just what I heard from it. I mean, the elk that we saw were in people's yards, so I can imagine. I mean, they, they, it wasn't like they were out in these giant fields that you had to drive an hour down a dirt road to see them. You're driving down the road, and you stop, and you're like, that just got out of that dude's car. Like, like he just came out of his garage. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, look, we all, anyone who lives out where there's deer know that if you have certain plants, deer are going to come and eat them, whether they're on your front porch or they're a quarter mile away from your house. So I would imagine elk are just big deer. Right? Okay, here we go. I, I, I don't know this, right? I'm not a biologist. <laughs> yeah. Like elk are just big deer. So that makes sense to me. I can see them being a little annoyed by giant elk. If, again... If they want, I mean, there's plenty of people that are that are very happy to come and hunt them. Do it responsibly and with a tag, people. Uh, so, Trevor, you talked about all these experiences. You talked about everything you've done. You talked about continual self-growth and self-exploration. I got to ask, what's next, man? Yeah, so um, I got a job with the Anchorage School District in Alaska. Dude, good for you. Uh, yeah, doing ELL tutoring. So, right up my alley. Um, so excited about that alaska is about what six times the size of pennsylvania so much bigger than most people think (laughs) so i'm not going to be able to do every state park in alaska but i wonder how many state parks they have i haven't looked (laughs) he's like don't tempt me oh that's a that's a great question i would love to know it who's got google who's got who's gonna ask siri how many state parks are in alaska just so we can prime them i think it's interesting that there's a need for ell in alaska like that's not something you would think like you know you think of going to other countries to teach english as a second language or uh english as a second language or you know people coming in but i wouldn't have pegged alaska as there being a big need for that is it are you teaching people coming into Alaska or native Alaskans that need the English as a second language? Yeah. So Alaska school district or the Anchorage school district actually has over 90 languages spoken um, by the students. Wow. So it's, it's actually one of the most diverse in the whole country. Uh, Anchorage itself is one of the most diverse cities in the country. Uh, And people, I I never knew that. Oh no, I would have never pegged that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So, um, just having that exposure in my past with exposure to all the other cultures and then, and then putting that into practice, uh, by doing ELL tutoring, uh, it's going to be really helpful, but, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, really. Congratulations. When do you go to Alaska? Uh, so I got there, uh, mid November or it got here mid November. Well, with virtual graduation, possible 
yeah, the job itself is virtual. So, oh, is it really? That's interesting. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. I get you now. Creech School District um, did not go to in-person uh, schooling. They stuck with uh, virtual, so through Zoom and all of that. So, okay. So now I'm, I think I've, I've confused myself. Are you living in Alaska, or are you just teaching virtually in Alaska? Yeah. So my cousin lives in Anchorage. So. Um, all right now we got you. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, why am I? <laughs> why am I not? That's a great way to look at it. Why am I not? Yeah, like I said, um, I'm very spontaneous. Um, I let the the wind take me, um, and because of of COVID and graduating during COVID, I was really worried about finding a job. Sure, as I'm sure a lot of graduates are. Absolutely. Um, so getting an experience like like this with uh, such a diverse school district, it's exactly what I want to do. So I, I could not, you know, turn an opportunity like that down. So, yeah. Well, again, congratulations. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I try to tell it to any student that, that I work with. Look, I know it's hard to leave home. You know, for some people, it's, it's extremely hard. And I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be for you, but it is a big country and we have lots of opportunities in places that you may not think of like Anchorage, Alaska. So, you know, if, if you're not willing to explore all 121 state parks in Pennsylvania, or maybe just go explore Virginia for a little bit and then come home if you need to. Yeah. West Virginia is a cool state. So I've actually, I, um, after I finished Pennsylvania, I, I hit up some in Ohio, the state parks and um, in Garrett County, Maryland as well. And they were actually pretty surprisingly cool. Deep um, Creek. Yeah, Deep Creek. That's very popular. <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, it's probably at this point, it's probably too popular. I, oh, I shouldn't say that. People down there definitely think it's it's not popular enough. I used to live in Mineral County, West Virginia, which is really close to deep creek so that's why we know it well but yeah i love west virginia too trevor i want to ask you so whenever i interviewed you for the magazine article you said that you felt more like a pennsylvanian and maybe i'm paraphrasing uh, after you mm-hmm. uh, visited all the state parks um what does it mean to be a pennsylvanian or just some some of the traits like whenever you go and you're going to work in alaska or if you're going to be traveling more what do you tell people about about Pennsylvania that you wouldn't have after you've done this, this the state park trip before I did it, I would say that it's really boring and there's not much for anyone, but <laughs> after experiencing that, I could definitely say that I appreciate where I came from. Uh, I, I'm proud of, you know, what the state has to offer, uh, and what opportunities exist in Pennsylvania. Um, like, I mean, just the, I think Slipper Rock University, it's in Pennsylvania and it's, it's a great, it's open doors for me. Like I never would have gotten the opportunity to come to Alaska if it wasn't for, for Slipper Rock. Um, because before that I almost went to school in, in Arizona. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to go to Slipper Rock because I know it. I know it's a good school. Why am I going to go to a place? I don't know. So, um, it, I don't know how else to explain it, but Pennsylvania and being a Pennsylvanian, I think it's just being proud of where you came from uh, and understanding that Pennsylvania is in a bad state. Uh, and there's a reason why it was a second state in the union 
so yeah i think that's true because like you know people who are from texas you know they they they're 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 really proud of being texans and then you have the the california state of mind and then uh, even states like 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 maryland has a cool flag so everyone's always showing their maryland flag you know pennsylvania you know you don't think of it as a as a place to be proud to be from uh, maybe that's cuz you know uh, you know Jeremy, me, you, Nick, we're from, from Pennsylvania. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, by following your story and just having that perspective that you had kind of, kind of vicariously going through the state parks uh, just made me made me realize by, by, by writing the story that uh, there, we have a lot to be proud of here uh, to be uh, from Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of uh, traits of Pennsylvanians to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we are home to one of the worst presidents in the United States. Uh, and he has a state park uh, named after him, James Buchanan State Park, where his, where his birthplace was. Um, so that's something that we can tell everyone when we. I wouldn't have gone right into that one, but uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> talk about uh, some permani sandwiches or something. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little fun fact. Uh, but uh, yeah, be proud. And be proud of it. Yeah. Well, Trevor, you ended your state park journey with a rather unique experience. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So the Susquehanna River, it kind of stretches the whole center of the state. Um, And my last uh, state park, it was just a giant overlook, overlooking the Susquehanna. Um, And as I'm walking out to this overlook, I, I hear a little like a ruffling and I see it above my head from a tree is a, a bald eagle just swooping down over the, uh, over the river. Uh, so that was the first time I saw a bald eagle in the wild. Uh, and it was the last moment of my state park adventure. So I, I mean, it kind of sounds made up, but I promise you it's not. <laughs> um, it does. in the, in the map booklet of that, the Susquehannock State Park, um, it actually shows the pictures of bald eagles in it. So it's not uncommon to see them there. So it did actually happen. And I promise it happened. It was just yeah, a really makes unique a very, ending. A very good story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Boop. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so you even, yeah, like, you even went to Bald Eagle State Park in Center County as well and didn't see a bald yeah. eagle there. No, no, never saw one. Only Susquehannock. And I, I hadn't seen one in Pennsylvania since. Uh, so, Well, Trevor, it's an awesome story. And uh, just from talking to you, I can guarantee it's probably not your last awesome story. I, I know if you, it doesn't sound like it. From everything that you've talked about now and everything that you've done up until now, I highly doubt that that's going to be your last awesome story. I would be very interested to find out how many state parks are in Alaska and how many you actually make it to. Um, and Good luck with the whole teaching thing. That's fantastic. And, and once again, congratulations. Good luck with your master's program and all that has to offer. I certainly appreciate you coming on here and, and talking about, you know, your growth, your self-exploration, your, your appreciation that you've developed just by being in nature and, and, and being alone. And I think if nothing else, that, they, that if people that listen to this podcast, that they can walk away from, it's that you don't need to visit all 121 parks to, to, to grow and develop. You may only need to visit one or you just may need to put your damn phone down and go outside for a walk right behind your house. Um, but 
spend some time in nature because it is a very healthy dose of perspective. And you said it well, man. Enjoy it. Life is not life short. So gain a better appreciation for, for what you have around you. Um, even if that's in Western Pennsylvania. So Trevor, thank you very much, man. Congratulations. Once again, good luck. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on. I always love talking about it. Um, and kind of showing people that there's more to Pennsylvania than they, than they think. So. And again, the article featuring this story is in the winter 2021. Justin, is it 2021 or 2020? What's the date on that thing? The winter 2021 should be, uh, uh, if you're listening to this in, in late February, it uh, should be in your mailboxes by now. So I uh, look forward to uh, uh, reading about Trevor. Uh, the article, the, the title of the article is called uh, Travels with Trevor. And uh, we also have some other uh, uh, great content in, the, in this, uh, this next issue of the, of the magazine. We have an article about uh, police social workers. We have a look inside the new Miller Auditorium and the Performing Arts Complex. So a uh, lot of good content, but uh, uh, probably... Uh, I'm biased because I wrote the article. My favorite would be uh, uh, Tre- Trevor's article. So, yeah, I'll say that's my favorite too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once again, appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thank you. Hello again, SRU. Welcome back to the fact check, um, or as my wife likes to call it her favorite part of the episode when people go back and tell me what I said wrong. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often though, right? Right. You're never wrong. In my mind, it never happens other than when we're in here. In her mind, I think it happens more often than I would like to admit. (laughs) Anyway, we're, we're not, she's not here to fact check me today. You guys are. So, uh, once again, we got Justin, and Nick joining us. Yeah, it's appropriate that you talk about fact checking since uh, you know, Trevor's story is going to be in the Rock Magazine uh, because Mio Magazine, um, uh, you know, they usually employ fact checkers. That uh, you know, when somebody submits a story and they quote somebody, and then there's people that are employed by magazines or, or uh, they, they go out and uh, um, you know if uh, they'll 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 call their sources just to verify and or if something is uh, you know. Uh, uh, around the corner, up around the block that from uh, something that they mentioned, a restaurant, they'll actually go out and walk around the corner and see if it's actually there. Well, I'm, I'm glad that Rock Magazine, though, we don't employ fact checkers because we would have to have somebody actually go out and visit all 121 state parks to see if it's possible to visit them all in, in was it 303 days that, uh, that Trevor did? And, uh, which is quite, quite an accomplishment, uh, you know, and, um, you know, he started in, um, it was October of 2019 and finished up in August of 2020. And, uh, just, uh, it, it was great just to hear his, uh, um, you know, not, not just hear, hear a couple of his favorite parks, but just to see his, uh, how he, how he grew from the experience and, uh, just a time of contemplation, especially during the pandemic. Um, I kind of lived vicariously through his story when I was writing the story and I was trying to think of what are some things that I can do that are similar to that. Uh, if I ever had the time to, to go out and, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people do the, you know, how many, uh, go into all the major league baseball parks or, uh, or something like that, that, uh, you can, you kind of try to, uh, build a goal to, um, cross things off a list and uh, of, of just experiences. Yeah. I mean, it was a great conversation. And I think one of the things for me, 
one of the biggest, I don't know if it was the surpri- biggest surprises or, or one of the biggest things I took away from it was his focus on self-exploration. And, you know, he started to talk about his own uh, struggles with mental health and how this journey and being outside in nature and, and just slowly slowing down and reconnecting, you know, had an impact or had an effect on his, his overall mental health. And I know we didn't do this topic justice because, you know, as many of us know, mental health is such a big issue, not just on our college campus, but across our country and across the world right now. All right. So what do we got? to? Oh, I get, there is one thing that we do need to, that I wanted to clear up or we need to clear up sort of the timeline, right? Because it got, there is a delay for all of our devoted fans out there. There is a delay between when we record these episodes and when we release them. And so trying to time up, get timelines and, and everything straight, I sometimes mess up. And so here, here's the deal. So Trevor graduated December 2020 from Slippery Rock University. He was actually hired to teach in Alaska for Anchorage City Schools in November of 2020. So he was hired before he graduated. He moved to Alaska before he graduated to start that job because it is a virtual teaching position. So he's in Alaska, but he's teaching virtually. And that started in November. So then he graduated in December. And then he was coming back to continue teaching virtually, but coming back to Western Pennsylvania and teaching virtually. And then that will continue. I think that was a little, I was confused. I don't know about you guys. So I think it's really cool because he was done before he graduated, right? And how often does that happen where, uh, you know, you're you're just getting ready for graduation, you're in your senior year, uh, and you already have your job. I mean, I know I work with seniors all the time and they're they're worried about finding a job, let alone having it by the time they graduate. Uh, but it was, it was weird because that COVID online is what let him do that, right? He's still able to finish his classes here at Slippery Rock uh, at the same time he was starting his new job because both of his classes, the ones he was taking in, in, in teaching were, were online. But we did ask him at one point, we said, okay, how many, uh, you know, are you going to do the same thing in Alaska? Or how many Alaskan state parks there? And we didn't have that number and he didn't know either. And he didn't think that was a, a big pill to swallow. But we, we did go back and look that up and I, it would be much bigger than what he did here in Pennsylvania because there are actually 156 Alaskan state parks. Plus the fact that they are going to be way more spread out than the 121 in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. There's probably some you have to fly to. You yeah. probably can't even drive to. There's probably some you got to take like a boat or a dog sled or <laughs> by moose. Again, we're going to have to fact check our fact checks here. <laughs> yeah, and he's not going to be able to drive his Hyundai around uh, the Alaska to get to all 156 <laughs> state parks like he did in Pennsylvania. Listen, if there is one though that I would go to, there's one called Chillcat. Chillcat State Park. <laughs> So if you're that going has to one, to be at the top of your list, yeah. chill cat, C H I L K A T, chill cat, <laughs> love it. It's probably not how it's pronounced, but that's what I'm going with because that's what it looks like. Hooked on, hooked on phonics worked for me. <laughs> now another fact check that we had, Jeremy, I believe it was Jeremy. You said that uh, you compared elk to a deer. I just right? said, uh, yeah, I, th- I said an elk is just a big deer, right? Yeah, it's kind of like it a big out- deer. It turns out you were right. Yes. See, look at that. <laughs> is on my wildlife knowledge. <laughs> is if you if you Google is elk a deer, the first thing that comes up is uh, obviously you know the Wikipedia page, but there is a National Geographic page, and it says elk 
are uh, the term elk comes from a Native American word that means light colored deer. So elk are related to deer, but are much larger than most of their relatives. So, you know, kudos to you. You had that. You, you knew it before we did. We didn't even need right. to fact it's, check you there. It's my deep knowledge and wildlife resources. <laughs> Was that one of your majors before you switched to education? Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> I never I didn't switch it. I never got an undergraduate degree in education. There's no way they would have let me graduate. Oh. I, my GPA wasn't anywhere near the state minimum. We'll have to, we'll have to unpack that in another episode. <laughs> that's, that's a separate conversation for a separate time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else? Any more any more fact checking we need, Justin? Or well, I think that uh, you know we mentioned that Pennsylvania has a Grand Canyon. And uh, just to, to, to clarify that, yes, there is a Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. It's not as big as the one in Arizona. It's only 800 feet deep, and it's in uh, Tiahoga County. And there's not a Grand Canyon State Park. There is, uh, there's actually two state parks that are within Pennsylvania's Grand Canyon, and that's uh, Leonard Harrison State Park and Colton Point State Park. So I just wanted to to specify that because uh, Trevor mentioned that uh, you know that how uh, he liked the the Pennsylvania's Grand Canyon, um, and then also he mentioned uh, you know there are, there is the Elk State Park, um, which is Elk County, um, and um, yeah, and he also mentioned Route One Twenty, and uh, yes, uh, to confirm that yeah, it's a, a scenic route between uh, Ridgeway and Lock Haven is uh, is is Pennsylvania Route One Twenty. Well, Justin, once again, that was a good find. Uh, he was definitely an interesting person to talk to, and I enjoyed the conversation, um, again, in, in many different aspects, not just because he decided to go visit 121 state parks, but his appreciation for the outdoors and self-exploration, goal-setting. So nice pick. Look for the article on this uh, in the winter edition of The Rock magazine. And stay tuned for our next episode where we are going to be talking with Dr. Mary Jo Ross from Slippery Rock University to talk all things restaurants, hospitality in a time of the pandemic. So stay tuned, everyone. Take care. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU podcast network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello SRU wherever you get your podcasts.